0: This morning, I'm going to uh, share with you some fun facts about uh, some modern English names. Maybe you guys haven't heard any of this stuff before. Maybe you have. But did you know that many of our common names in the United States and really all around the world actually have Hebrew roots? They come from an ancient Hebrew uh, language. For example, Daniel, or the female version of that, Daniela, Elijah, Elizabeth, Ezekiel, Gabriel, John, Joshua, Josiah, Micah, Michael, Nathaniel. These are all names that have Hebrew roots. And do you see anything in common between them? Notice anything? Yeah. L? Yep. They they have usually most of them have L or Ah in the name here, or at least the ones we're looking at. And there's a reason for that. El or Ah, you see, the word for God in the Old Testament is Elohim. All right? And we're not talking about the proper name of God, Yahweh, which is what we've been looking at for the last few weeks. We've been studying over different variations of his name. But Elohim is actually the word that means God. And then Yahweh, as we've learned, is uh, God's proper name. So let's take, for example, Elizabeth. Alright, so Elizabeth is actually a Hebrew compound name. So it starts with El, which means God, and the Hebrew word Shava, which means an oath in Hebrew. So if you put El Shava together, or El Sava, it starts to be starting starts to sound a lot like Elizabeth, right? And the name Elizabeth means God is my oath. So El Shava. El, God, Shava Oath. God is my oath. Let's take another example, Josiah, right? Some of you may know someone named Josiah. And in Hebrew, my name is pronounced Yoshia, Yoshia. And the first part of my name is the Hebrew word Yoshi, not like the green character from Mario, that's the dinosaur. Uh, But the Hebrew word, it means to heal, all right? And the last part of my name, Yah, does that sound familiar? Right? Like Yahweh? So Yah is just a shortening of Yahweh. and In Hebrew, Yahweh, here's a fancy way you can impress all your friends. It's called the Tetragrammaton. (laughs) Tetragrammaton, that means four letters. That's just a fancy way. Theologians love saying stuff like that. Uh, So the Tetragrammaton, four letters. The first two of them, are pronounced Yah, yod He. And those are the very last two letters of the name Josiah. So you combined to heal with God, and the name Josiah actually means Yahweh heals me, or Yahweh heals. Uh, some variations on the spelling. The word Yoshi is pretty close to the word uh, fire as well. So uh, Yoshiyahu. Can also mean the Lord's fire or the Lord's burn, the Lord burns, which I think is way cooler and more fitting with my orange hair. Um, (laughs) But anyway, I'll take either one because both are great. Now, some of you may be thinking, in looking at the name John, you're like, "What in the world (laughs) does that have to do with anything?" Well, actually, in the Hebrew, the word John was actually Yohanan, Yochanan. All right, so the Yo or the Joe in the English version, not this Joe, but the Yo. Uh, stands for God's name as well. It's a shortening of Yahweh. And so when you combine his name, Yohanan, uh, the, the verb is Chanan, which means gracious, or the adjective. So Yohan, John, actually means God is gracious. All right? So Daniel, or Daniela, means God is my judge. Elijah is actually a fun name. So what does L sound like? right? Elohim. And Elijah sounds like Yahweh. So Elijah is actually the name that means God is Yahweh, or Yahweh is my God. It's a two-for-one kind of name. Elijah is kind of fun. Ezekiel means God strengthens. Gabriel actually means God is my strength. Joshua means God delivers, or God is my deliverance. And interestingly, Jesus's name in Hebrew is actually Yeshua which is just Joshua. Wow. For all the Joshes and Joshuas out there, pretty big revelation. (laughs) You share a name with Jesus. Which is a fitting name for him because as uh, I think Michelle even, or maybe Tom mentioned it this morning, that Jesus came to deliver the world from sin. Right? So Yeshua, God delivers, is a perfect name for Jesus. Micah means Yahweh, or means who is like Yahweh, and Mike means who is like God. Almost the exact same name. It's just Yahweh or, or God at the end of it. And then Nathaniel means gift from God. And unfortunately our Nathaniel is sick this morning, which is why he isn't here, but I think it's a fitting name for our, our little drummer boy. <laughs> Although sometimes he does not seem like a gift. <laughs> making fun of him is not even here. I'll make sure I, t- I'll make sure I tell him when I get Kick him while he's down. So we all know someone. In fact, there are people even in this room who are named after the God we serve and worship and are studying in the series. I think it's ironic that there are even really strong atheists out there who are literally named after the God they proclaim not to believe in. Um, just, I just think it's a little funny. So these principles, this principle rather, of taking the name of God or the title God and applying it with an adjective or verb to make a name is an important biblical principle that is going to help us understand the name that we are studying today, which is Yahweh Sekedinu. Repeat after me, Sekedinu. Sekedinu. Okay, (laughs) we'll learn about what that means in a minute. So this name is only mentioned twice in Scripture, and both times it is found in the book of Jeremiah. So if you would go ahead and turn there with me. So some useful background knowledge is that the book of Jeremiah was written right before Judah was put into exile and kind of during that time as well. So you see, the the people of Israel were not acting so good. And they were not acting so good for a long time. They were so bad, in fact, that uh, they ended up splitting into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom got the name Israel, and the southern kingdom got the name Judah. And a little bit before the book of Jeremiah, the northern kingdom was taken over by the Assyrian Empire and put into exile. And now aim was taken at the southern kingdom of Judah. And God sent Jeremiah, this prophet, to warn them, of the approaching trouble. God, through Jeremiah, begged the people of Judah to turn back to him and to stop their idolatry and immorality. And Jeremiah warned them that if they didn't repent, if they didn't turn back to God, that Babylon, which is the nation that took over Assyria, would come and put Judah into exile. And for this reason, Jeremiah is not a very happy book. Um, It's filled with a lot of warning and uh, prophecy of exile and destruction. And for the most part, people don't think, oh, Jeremiah, it's a very fun book to read and we love it all. But in chapter 23, we do see some dark warnings, but there's also a message of hope that shines through. So let's go ahead and read the first six verses of Jeremiah uh, chapter 23 here. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pastures, declares Yahweh, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says Yahweh, God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who are attending my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away, and I have attended to them. Behold, I am about to attend to you for the evil of your deeds, declares the Lord. Okay, so this does not start off very good for Israel, God is looking at the leaders and saying, you have done bad things to my people, and I'm going to make sure that that's taken care of. And then he goes on to say, then, in verse 3, then I myself will gather my remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. So this is God prophesying that God is going to bring everybody back from exile, and he's going to make them a nation again that is fruitful fruitful. I will also raise up shepherds over them, and they will tend them, and they will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, declares Yahweh. Behold, the days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king, and act wisely, and do justice and righteousness in the land. In this day, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is my name by which he will be called. And, excuse me. This is his name by which he will call, be called. The Lord is our righteousness. So this last phrase here, the Lord is our righteousness, is the name we're looking at today. Yahweh Sikhenu. The Lord is our righteousness. Now verses 5 and 6 specifically are connecting back to a promise that God made to David Hundreds of years earlier, God promised David, the king of Israel, that one of his descendants would rule as king forever in a kingdom governed by God's command. There'd be a a godly kingdom. And here, God is bringing up that promise again. And this is what we commonly refer to as a messianic promise. And there are lots of them in the Old Testament, where God says, My chosen person, my Messiah, a descendant of David, he's going to be like Abraham, he's going to be in all these different things, he's going to come back and he's going to do this kind of thing. All right? So a promise talking about the coming Messiah, a person who's going to be picked by God to establish his kingdom. And the benefit to us is that we have the New Testament, and we know who Jesus is. So when we read verses 5 and 6, this has Jesus written all over it, right? What better time to talk about a prophecy talking about the coming of the Messiah during the Advent season where we talk about the coming of the Messiah, right? Now, at first glance, it seems that verse 6, let's read the very last bit right here, and this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our Righteousness, Yahweh Sikadu. Now, at first it may sound like that this prophecy is saying that the Messiah himself would actually be called Yahweh, Yahweh Sikadu. But as we just saw earlier this morning, it is not uncommon for people to have names that talk about God's character. Right? So oftentimes there are people who have names directly <coughs> taken from God, and they perform a certain duty. And that happens all the time in the Old Testament. And now that we know we're talking about the Messiah, we know his name is actually Jesus, Yeshua, not Yahweh, it's Siktenu. So what's going on here? Well, this leads me to believe that this passage is not saying the Messiah's name is actually going to be Yahweh Sekedinu. No. Rather, this person is going to embody what that means. Right? This person, this Messiah, is going to be like and do things pertaining to the name, the Lord is our righteousness, or Yahweh is our righteousness. And there's further evidence to this point. That this name isn't an actual name that the Messiah will have, but rather this name is used strategically to talk about who God is and what he's going to be doing. So look at the second example here in Jeremiah 33. Go ahead and turn over there with me. We're going to look at verses 14 and 16. A very similar kind of prophecy, a very similar kind of message here, as we just read in uh, Jeremiah 23, but it's a little different. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good word which I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days, and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch of David to spring forth and he shall execute justice and righteousness on the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell in safety. And this is the name by which she will be called Yahweh Sakenu, The Lord is our righteousness. All right. So we see here that in this case, the city of Jerusalem is being called Yahweh Sikhenu. So obviously, it's not... This is actually the name of Jesus. This is not actually the name of Jerusalem. Rather, Jerusalem is being secured and conformed to the correct order that God intended. That God is the source of the righteousness. And when people look at Jerusalem, when it's restored, they're going to say, God is righteous. God makes things right. And when Jesus comes in the world and he executes judgment and righteousness... People are going to look at what he's doing and what he accomplishes and says, God is righteous. Yahweh is righteous, and he's working through this man to bring about the right thing. Now, we've said righteousness a lot, but what is it anyway? I feel like it's something we should cover since we've said it. I don't know. Anybody keeping track? At least 20 times. So the word righteousness um, in Hebrew is tezdeck, um, which if you... Here the name Zedekiah, it's the same uh, root verb, but it means that God is righteousness. Uh, Tezdech is the root from which Yahweh Sekenu is comes from. And the, the basis of it means to be stiff or to be straight. In other words, there is no corruption, right? There's no deformation. It is right. It is correct. It is the way it's supposed to be. That is what righteous means, and specifically in Scripture, righteousness means to be in right standing with God. To not be in right standing with God is to be in sin. It is to be corrupt. To be righteous means to be blameless before God, that we are purified. And this is important, because if you are in right standing with God, if you're living at peace with him, you are promised eternal life. You're a part of his promises. The problem is, is, that no one is righteous. The Bible makes it pretty clear. Psalm 53 says, no one is righteous, no, not one. And then Paul quotes this later in Romans chapter three, just to make sure no one forgot. <laughs> he says, no one's righteous, no, not one. And Paul also says that everyone is sin. They've fallen short of the glory of God. Well, almost everyone. Actually, There is an interesting uh, figure, someone who stands out against all other humanity, God's Messiah, the one who is promised in Jeremiah 23. He is righteous before God. He's perfect. He's sinless. And because of this, because there is this one exception, God is able to use him to restore all of us into right standing with him. I have a verse here that I want you to look at. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He, meaning God, made him, meaning Jesus, if you need the context here for the for the uh, pronouns, but he, meaning God, made him, meaning Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now let's read that again and let it sink in. God made Jesus. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Why did he do that? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The name Yahweh Sakenu starts to make sense, doesn't it? You see, God is the origin of this righteousness. And he accomplishes it through his sinless son, Jesus. And Jesus executed that plan and brought righteousness to us just like Jeremiah said he would. Just like it was prophesied hundreds of years before he was even born. And it's important to know that Yahweh is the origin of this power. He's the one that allowed Jesus to be sinless. He's the one that allowed us to inherit the sinlessness through that sacrifice that we didn't deserve. And because Jesus came into this world, we can now live at peace with God. And because Jesus came into this world, all of creation one day will know the peace of God. Everything would be brought back into right standing with God, with the God Yahweh Sikeinu, the God of righteousness. Now, in response to this message and learning of this name, I think there's a few things that we can take away. A few things we can apply to our, our life. Number one, we are called to live righteously. God in scripture does not reveal every mystery to us. Why does the platypus have a beak and lay an egg and no one scripture doesn't reveal that okay there are lots of questions we have scripture doesn't reveal all of them but what is very clear and definitely given to us by God is what he expects of us how he wants us to live right there are a few things really important to God that is one of them and Jesus along with many other things lived as an example served as a perfect example of what it means to live Righteously, what it means to live walking in the right standing with God. So my question is, in what ways are you living disobedient to God's desire? Let's say God sent a prophet like Jeremiah to your house and he wrote a book for you. What would it say? Right. And this by no means neglects the grace that we live in because of Jesus. And this is not a call to legalism because that always fails, but it's merely a call to think about righteousness. Because we are called Christians, we should live like Christ, who lived righteously. And after all, we are a living testimony. Uh, right before the 1 Corinthians verse we just read, it talks, Paul talks about us being ambassadors to the rest of the world. That's a big responsibility. Number two. I think it's important for us to know and to realize and live with the reality that we are in right standing with God because of Christ. Right? This is a big deal, actually. Imagine all the ways you've messed up and fallen short. Jesus has taken those things on and made it so that you can live in right standing with God. As long as you accept Jesus as your Lord and you hand your life over to him, you are made right. It is a sacrifice that reconstitutes the perfection that is lost in the Garden of Eden. It it is a reforming of the relationship. It is making things right. Number three, let's not forget, let's not lose this facet that God is righteous. In fact, he is the standard. And what does it mean for God to be righteous? How does that play out in the world? Well, it means he never betrays, right? He never cheats. He never falters or fails. He always keeps his promise. He is incorruptible. He is reliable. So we can rely on him, right? And on that note, with realizing that we have been made right and that God is perfect and that we can rely on him, please pray with me this morning. God, I thank you for being our righteousness, for being the source of our righteousness, and for allowing us to be made right through your Son, Jesus, who came into this world to bring peace and hope and love and joy and to die for our sins. We wait for the day where he returns to the earth to establish his righteous kingdom, and it's in the power of his name that we pray. Amen.